like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. My name's Paul Joy, and it's my pleasure and my privilege to sit down each week with a Yog, a Yarra old grammarian, and hear a little of their story and the choices, decisions, ups and downs, highs and lows of their experience while at school, and then also where the decisions of life have taken them after that. And today, I sit down with Zoe Petropolis from the class of 2019, and this is an enlightening conversation an interesting perspective and an acknowledgement of some of the challenges that she has experienced herself. And now I love the full circle where she's now back working as a colleague of mine, as a staff member here at Yarra Valley Grammar, working with students who need a little extra patience, need a little extra kindness. And she's able to offer that in the same way that she experienced it firsthand. Please enjoy this conversation that I have with Zoe Petropolis, from the class of 2019. Zoe, um, 2019 is when you finished, but I wonder if we can start by, tell us when you started. When did your journey at Yarra begin? What year level? So I came to Yarra in 2009, so year two. Year two? Yeah. Wow. And uh, as a year two student, I, I'm gathering that your memories might be a little foggy, but can you tell us something maybe even about the playground that you remember back in year two? What was a, a favourite place to play? The pirate ship, which is no longer there. It's yes. a different structure, so that's a bit sad to see that that's gone. It is interesting, though, and that's often what happens is the reflections of our yogs help us to remember perhaps what it used to be like and, and others who were around the era of 2009, 2010 in junior school, they too might remember the pirate ship. And in fact, even up until quite recently, the yeah. pirate ship is, uh, was a feature of our uh, junior school playground. Yeah. Are there any camps that you remember going on as a junior school student? I remember going to the snow when I was in year six. That was a lot of fun, but I was not very good at skiing. Okay. I was terrible at skiing, kept falling over, but I had fun. Excellent. That's the main thing. And I, look, to be honest, I think part of the fun of skiing is, especially while you're learning, while you're just experiencing it, it is having a go and falling over and, uh, you know, struggling to get back up and all of those things. The reason I ask that is because you recently went on camp and, and I was fortunate enough to be on the same camp where you're seeing things from a different perspective now as a staff member, as a colleague you are there as somebody who's responsible, not just there to have a good time, although we hope you do as well. But what is it, what's the difference? What does it look like, your experiences as a student, enjoying the fun of, of new adventures, compared to now as a, as a part of the education team? What are the differences that you've identified? Well, the main thing is obviously like taking a step back from all of the activities because some of those things the kids might not have had the experience of. Like a lot of them probably had never been on a giant swing, got to do a tree climb or a mud run. And I've got to do all of those things in my past camps. So it was a matter of not being the first volunteer to do all of the things in the heights and all that. But just getting to watch all of them, get to do all of those amazing opportunities. Yeah, that's great. And, and you're quite right. <laughs> and I think that's the sign of a good leader, a good teacher, is someone who is 
able to put others first and let their learning experience take over. Yes, very good. I, I, I appreciate that. Did you, in the midst of that, though, still get to have a turn at some of those things that you wanted to? Yes, my group that I was with very much so was like, you're going to go, go on that. And I'm like, okay, okay, that's fine. I'm very pleased to hear that because I think part of what we need to keep doing as adults is show the, the students in our care that we can still have fun and we've got to, you know, yeah. sometimes we've got to lead by being the first person to get in there and, uh, and have a real go at it. Yes. So I'm glad that you still got to do it. Tell us a little bit, if we go back to school as a student, mm -hmm. you eventually you, you graduate from year six and you enter into middle school. One of the big changes in middle school is that uh, lots of other students come and join, particularly at year seven. Can you reflect on your early memories of year seven and, and what it was like to have a whole lot of new people come into your school? Well, it was really interesting because in primary school, I really only had like one or two close friends. I was never really a big friendship group person. But then all of a sudden I was like meeting people that I clicked really well with. And my little like duo or trio was like turning into like five or six or seven people. And even though throughout the years, people might come and leave different friendship groups, you're still friends with them. Mm. So it's really nice being able to have like a few friends from every different social circle. Yeah, which that's is great. Really interesting. It is interesting, and and I love that that notion of as your, I guess the size of your world grows yeah. from junior school into middle school. There were more students in your year level, and so great. But also your friendship group grew, and and perhaps that's reflective of your confidence and your maturity. You're then at that point ready to grow your circle as well, which is terrific. I, I think that's mm -hmm. great. Would you say that that continued to happen as you continued to get older and kind of get more known and know more people as you went through the school? Yeah, definitely, because obviously there's always new students coming in every single year. Like, you get quite a few in your year 11 and 12, and obviously there's reasons for students having to leave the school. So your friendship groups are always changing and you're always meeting new friends, which is really nice. Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's part of the richness of a large school community yeah. is that there are different backgrounds, different experiences, different perspectives on, on all manner of things. As you move through your middle school years, what, did you start to shape towards a particular interest? Was there subjects that were interesting or, or even co-curricular things that took your fancy? Well, as a subject in my early years, I really enjoyed humanities or the history subjects. But, you know, as I got older, it's something I didn't do as much because the research became a bit overwhelming for me. Being mm -hmm. dyslexic, it's something that I really struggled with, all the research. But from a very young age, before school, I really loved drama. And I guess coming to school really made that love grow because I got to do so many productions. Wow. <laughs> and I also grew a love of food tech because I liked getting to make food and then Everyone was jealous when I was eating in the next class. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Because I, I, I'm glad that you not only enjoy the making of the food, but also the, the yeah. enjoying the, the consumption and the enjoyment of it. That's really good. Um, so you mentioned in there humanities, but you also mentioned dyslexia. Yes. And I wonder, do you feel comfortable? Can we talk about that a little yeah. bit? What, what is the experience? Or tell us in, initially, what, what, what did dyslexia mean to you? What were the things that were particularly difficult? Well, for me, it's things like reading, spelling, because sometimes, especially with English, a lot of the letters can make the same sounds. You put another letter next to it, it completely changes it. Mm -hmm. So it's still something I struggle with, remembering how to spell some really easy words at times. 
and it does impact my maths a bit. Maths was never a forte. Right. And is it because they they sometimes you read them backwards, like out of order? Is that part of the challenge? Yeah, sometimes. Like, I remember for a very long time, I would get, like, lowercase b and d mixed up. My left and right side still get mixed up, right. and some letters I get mixed up, and sometimes I'll, like read a number but I might get like two numbers in the wrong order in my head when I think about it and then trying to write it yeah so lots of like little things just get mixed up in my brain wow so now as an educator what are some things that parents or teachers or even classmates can do to help somebody who they might suspect or they might know has suffers from dyslexia Obviously just being patient because sometimes it can fly under the radar sometimes mm. and I guess just everyone learns differently so I guess with peers you can't expect them to learn the same way and I guess that's something the kids have to understand. Yeah, totally, totally agree with you that we're all on our own journey yep. and we have different challenges mm. and what you found challenging I might not but yep. things that I find challenging are a breeze for you. So that idea of even going back at, to a, an immediate example, um, something like the giant swing is a great challenge for me, but others really love it. Yes. Uh, whereas perhaps reading for me is something that I've gotten better at over time and, and actually quite enjoy doing now. But for you, the reading has been a challenge yeah. for a long time and still is. Yeah. Right. Patience, I think that's a, a really important message. I, I, I like that. Um, did you find in your experience at Yarra that your teachers, when they did understand um, some of your challenges, that they did they were able to show patience? Yeah, 100%. Um, the, one of the best things about Yarra is they have a really good area for people who do struggle academically. There's a brilliant program and department for that. So I got out of doing a language. I got to do any SACs or assessments in a quiet room, and I got to type as opposed to handwrite. And the support program was amazing as well. So it mm. definitely helps a lot having that extra help. That's great. So some challenges were identified. Mm -hmm. Some support was put in place. Yes. It seems like you were able to foster some good friendships. Mm -hmm. and, and that helps too. Yeah. What then? So you're getting into senior school. We know that um, you need a little bit of extra time and things aren't coming easily to you. What subjects are you heading towards? Is it still the, the humanities and histories or are you now in really on the stage and in drama? Yes, well, I decided to do unscored VCE. So going into year 11, I only had four subjects because I did a year 12 subject early, which mm -hmm. was my food tech, which I really enjoyed. And then for year 12, I only ended up doing three. So I did maths, just a general maths, then I did English and I did drama, which was by far my favourite. <laughs> yeah. Definitely love my drama. So you had perhaps a little extra time than most other people because yeah. they would have had more subjects. Yes. Was that still a full load for you? That that was enough? You made the right decision? Yeah, 100%. I got a lot of um, free time to do private study mm. and it definitely allowed me to focus on the things I struggled with, which was definitely the maths at right. the time. Okay. And at the end of it, I know it was unscored, but yes. do you feel uh, proud of your efforts? Yeah, 100%. Like, I feel like it's definitely something I probably wouldn't have imagined me being able to pass math mm. successfully or pass some of those English assignments because some of them were pretty in-depth books that had to be read. Sure. And they were 
pretty content heavy and I'm surprised I managed to pass everything. Yeah, well done. I wonder, and, and this is probably a question that normally I might ask a bit later, but is there a book that you've read since leaving school that has had an impact on you or do you not, not read very much these days? Because it's I, so hard. I read on and off depending when I get the time to read. Yeah. But um, Is there a book that has uh, impacted on you? Well, obviously, it's kind of a cliché and one to say, but the Harry Potter books had a huge impact <laughs> on my childhood. <laughs> Excellent. I love that suggestion. Yes, yes, the Harry Potter series. But there's a lot of movies that have had a big impact on me more so than books. Right. So you would consume stories yes. through a movie rather than a book. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's good. Um, you had a, a number of challenges, really, in your experience. I'm curious to know, toward the end, and, and we did some things together in terms of community links and uh, and creating awareness, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about some of your other challenges that you were you know, yes. battling with. <laughs> so when I was four months old or three months old, can't really remember much of my life at that age, okay. I was diagnosed with a condition called neurofibromatosis. Can you say that slower? <laughs> Neuro fibromatosis uh-huh. and nf1 nf1 yes and what does how does that present what would because people if they were to look at you they would say yeah. well i don't know what that is i don't know what that means i don't know what that does because there's no visible signs at least for <laughs> from what i can tell what are some signs that that we might know of other people who who are presenting certain signs Well, that's a tricky question because it can present differently for everyone who has it. Mm. Like for some people, it can become disfiguring um, because it causes tumours to grow internally and externally. So some people with it might be covered with tumours externally but might not have any other problems. But someone might not have any other disfigurement, but they could have a whole bunch of internal tumours. They could have the learning difficulties, the ADHD, the... um, they might end up being in wheelchairs or losing their eyesight. And in extreme cases, it can cause cancer to develop. Mm. So it's really like you have a whole list of things that could happen. And you're like, here you go. You don't, might, you don't know what you're going to get. Wow. You can get all of it or none of it. Right. You don't know. So it's a bit of a scary thing to think about, all the things that just could happen. Do you know, are there statistics on how many people would be impacted? Like whether it's... Five in a hundred, or is it fifty in a hundred? It's one in every two and a half thousand people, okay. which is ten thousand Australians, roughly. Right. They are currently living with yeah. neurofibrosis. Neurofibromatosis. Fibromatosis. Okay. Um, for you, what have been the implications? What have been the challenges? Well, that's where my dyslexia stems from. Right. Which we didn't realise for a while. Mm. Um, for me, it impacts my coordination slightly. So hand-eye coordination is not my forte (laughs) or even just coordinating my like upper and lower body at the same time. So things like swimming is really hard or running is a bit difficult. Um, I dare say skiing would be hard. (laughs) Yes. Hence why snow skiing was one of those big challenges the first time you went on that camp. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) Right, right. So, so swimming, because you, you, your legs, the bottom part of your body, yeah. is trying to do something different to the top part of your body. Yeah. And, and the way yours are all joined up and, and the cells and the connectors and 
that makes it really challenging. Yeah, it's kind of also like trying to use your right side and your left side of your brain at the same time. It's like only one of mine wants to work coherently. It's like I could kick or I could paddle, couldn't do both at the same time. Okay. Wow. Wow. Challenging. Yeah. When other kids jump in and they can, you know, it's almost like they're natural. They The kicking and the yeah. paddling all happens at the same time and they're smooth and they can even, you know, work out the breathing really well. And But for you... Quite a challenge. Really need to focus on it. So it's not something I could ever do quickly. No. Yes. <laughs> so you've had support around you with your family and then in turn, eventually, your your school have got around you and supported you. And, and like you were saying, there's programs set up to give you a bit more space and a yeah. bit more um, time to work through some schoolwork. This is in your, as a, as a learner, when you're a student at school, I know but I'd love you to tell the story a little bit about how you've then gone on to make it make a difference. I've, yes. I've just come from a chapel service where we were talking about creating a ripple, so having a ripple effect. And Zoe, you would be one who I think is creating ripples, creating ripples for good. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what you're into now. So in 2018, I was having a surgery for one of the complications associated with the condition. I was having a tumour removed from my sinus cavity. And my mum was in the waiting room and she's thinking that we could have so many more surgeries to come. We don't know what's going to happen. So she wanted to donate somewhere to um, go towards research. Realised there wasn't really anywhere to donate where the money would go purely to research and trying to find a treatment or a cure. So she came up with the idea, which I thought she was crazy at the time, (laughs) to start her own charity. And we did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we've been running for about three just over three years now and we've managed to raise over a million dollars in that time wow we three years a million dollars and name of the charity and and what's specifically the goal okay so the charity is called a flicker of hope flicker of uh, a flicker of hope yeah yeah love it and it's all about shining a light on neurofibromatosis because so many people have it and yet no not many people know what it is and you know we're trying to change that and we've managed to raise a lot of money and bring a lot of awareness and in doing so we've met a lot of people who are on a similar journey to what I am Mm. and it's been really eye-opening to see how differently everyone can be like impacted by it yeah sure so that has taken you into some new territory some (laughs) new experiences which I guess because people as they learn about it, as they understand it, they mm-hmm. want to help. Yes. Who are some of the people that we might recognise that are sort of behind you in, in terms of supporting A Flicker of Hope? Um, one of the big names is Peter and Josh Dacos from Collingwood. Uh-huh. And, um, and you're a fan of Collingwood, so that makes it even more special. I don't really watch much footy at all. But you can you can barrack for Collingwood yeah, now. Yeah, it's fine. I can just <laughs> barrack for Collingwood, but few other football players like Anthony Stevens from North, um, Dipper from Hawthorne. Mm. Yeah. So I noticed that you've got a, an event coming up soon. We I do. think Kick the Butt or something. Yeah, Kick Butt for NF. It's our second year doing it. We did it last year as well. Okay. And what, what can you tell us what, what happens at that event and when is it on? Okay, so it's on the 12th of April, so coming up in the school holidays. Perfect timing. So we're at the end of term one in 2022. And kick butt, f- kick butt for NF. Kick, yes. Kick butt for NF uh, is on these score holidays. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, it's at the Port Melbourne Football Club. It's free entry. 
I'm pretty sure it starts at around four. All of our information is on our Instagram and Facebook and our okay. website, which is also easy to look up for anyone who has a phone, which is... Yeah, tell us about it. Where, where would we look up for those details? So you can look us up on Instagram at Flickr of Hope Foundation. And then our Facebook has the same name, but at the end it's um, talking about neurofibromatosis charity and awareness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if we just search for Flicker of Hope, yeah. we're gonna, you're going to be everywhere. It's one of the very first ones to pop up, so <laughs> you won't miss us. That's great. That's great. Okay, so we'll probably talk a little bit more about um, your impact. I, I'm just curious to go back to school for yeah. a moment. Take us back to the stage. Because that was a place you loved. Mm-hmm. The notion of dyslexia yes. and some difficulties with coordination, to me, getting on a stage would be one of the last places I'd want to be. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how that worked for you. Like, why? why? Because I imagine that on stage you're quite vulnerable. And potentially, if you struggle to read, therefore you struggle to maybe consume the information that you need and understand where to go and, and maybe memorise lines. And, and then from a coordination perspective, getting on stage and having people watching you move, that would be, that's a huge challenge. A huge, massive admiration for you for getting on stage with all of these challenges. Tell me more. Why did you choose to get on stage? Okay, so like before school, I was doing drama as a form of speech therapy because I had a lot of problems slowing down our speaking uh-huh. or I spoke with a real nasally tone. And um, yeah, so I went into drama to help fix my speech, right. which led to me loving acting. And my mum made the mistake of taking me to see Mary Poppins in Melbourne when I was like 11. And then I was like, that's what I want to do. Uh-huh. And right. yep, so I did Beauty and the Beast Junior with Yara in 2012. Made me love the, doing that. And come senior school, there was a production every year. Did every single one without fail. Wow, okay, right. <laughs> yeah. So you really loved the opportunity to... Is it, is it because you get to pretend to be somebody else, that, that idea of acting? I think so. It's just fun getting to like, almost be in someone else's shoes and in their head and just being like, okay, so if I was this character, how would I act? What would I do? And it's just a lot of fun. Really. Yeah, awesome. And, and I guess, and I'm just kind of processing this now, many people would enjoy being in a team and often we when we think of team we think of sport but that wasn't necessarily where you felt most comfortable so you had your experience of team on the stage the fellow actors and the backstage crew and all of that they must operate as a team to put the show on yeah it really does because obviously there's a lot of lines to remember a lot of things to remember and you have to have each other's backs like you can't only know yours you have to know when you come in to say your line. So if you can sense that a castmate is almost like a little bit, oh, I'm not too sure, you have to be ready to like roll with it and you need to be able to help each other yeah. without necessarily making it obvious that you're helping each other. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. So you, you, as you say, you, you've got each other's back up yeah. there on stage. And if that can happen without most of the audience knowing, that's even better. Yeah. That's terrific, I, I love that, I love that. I wonder if you would, um, 
reflect on the notion of success. It seems to me that you've overcome some challenges, you've found alternate pathways, you've found a way, and now not only are you impacting young people through your work at school and supporting them and encouraging them and, and being patient with them, all those things that were good for you, but you're also, as with through your organisation, a flicker of hope. That's having a, a ripple effect as well, having a big impact. Success. What is success? Have you achieved it? Are you there? Or have you still got somewhere to go to be successful? Well, everyone will have a different answer when it comes to success. Some people say they wouldn't feel successful until it's absolutely perfect and 100%. To me, as long as I try my best and... I did better than what I anticipated. <laughs> I feel like that is a huge success. And obviously, even if it might not seem like a big deal to you, if it can help someone else, that is definitely a huge deal to me because mm. I like being able to help others. Mm. <laughs> so I guess that's what I would say. Yeah, I like that. I like that. In order for you to be successful and do your best, do you have routines or rituals is there you know even for your own health are there some things that you are, are trying to implement as part of your life on a regular basis that help you be your best obviously just monitoring how i feel like if i'm feeling a bit drained or tired and just taking time to like okay i'm just gonna take a step back i might not you know do that thing i wanted to do on the weekend just have some time to rest right. so i can be ready for the week ahead or just like managing any symptoms that might come up to see if it could be related to the NF and just, you know, taking time to really check in with myself to make sure I'm feeling okay yeah. so I can help others to the best of my ability. That's great. That's great. Zoe Petropoulos from the class of 2019. I want to move now into a section of the, the conversation that I like to call the lightning round. I know. <laughs> and the lightning round is I'm going to throw a whole lot of questions at you, short and sharp and, and quick and fast. And although your training has and certainly clearly helped you to slow down, which is great. And, and to be fair, I think I need to go and have some of that same training sometimes <laughs> to slow down because sometimes I get just all a bit excited about things. But I wonder if you are ready for the quick fire round. As ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> Zoe Petropolis. Yog from the class of 2019. What house were you in when you were at Yarra Valley Grammar? I was in Arnett. Arnett. And were Arnett any good back in your day? Yep, they were pretty good. What was your most proud contribution to Arnett? Definitely doing the house of plumbing arts. <laughs> yes, yes. Excellent. That's great. Was there, of all of the musicals or dramas or onstage performances that you were part of, is there one that stands out? Was there one that was great? <gasps> Yara always puts on a great show, but my favourite would have to be Illegally Blonde. Okay. And what was your role in that? I was Al's mum, so uh -huh. that was a fun little role. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Tell me, um, when you were coming to school regularly um, as a student, how did you travel? What was travel look like? My mum drove me Good on your mom. every day, so go mum. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. And what would we find in your lunchbox? Well, in my lunchbox, probably leftovers from the night before when I had access to a microwave. Yes, okay. So as you go through the, the older years nowadays, you can uh, warm things up. Yeah. Yes, very good, very good. Um, do you have a favourite piece of clothing in your wardrobe? Favourite piece of clothing? Well, it has to be my oodie. <laughs> Is it a... 
Oh, your Udi, that's that big the, kind the, of, yeah. almost a sleeping bag that you get to walk around with and it's yeah. got arms and legs and a hood as well. Right, I see. Um, Zoe, have you had the opportunity to travel? And if so, is there a favourite destination? Is there a recommended, or if you get the chance, or when we get the chance, go and see this or that or that? I've travelled a bit, especially with school, with all the travelling opportunities, and my favourite place was probably England, okay. in London. And was there a particular place there that you uh, thought this is pretty special? I just liked all the old architecture, and I just like loved walking around all the main streets. Yeah, that's great. When you were at school, reflecting on your time at school, was there a, a piece of work that you were particularly proud of whether it's uh you know it might be an essay that you've had to hand in and you've got feedback and you've handed it in again or or maybe it's a, a piece of dramatic work that you've done uh, tell us a little bit about a piece of work you're proud of in year eight we did the national history challenge and i did a video presentation on oscar schindler which ended up going to nationals which i was really proud of <laughs> wonderful well congratulations <laughs> thank you <laughs> that's excellent that's excellent um i'm curious to know that when I come around for dinner, and thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. What is a go-to? What would be something that you might serve up? Okay, so we would be skipping dinner and going straight to dessert. Excellent. Oh, fantastic. I'm yes. excited even more. So I would make homemade ice cream with a side of chocolate chip cookies. Wow, homemade ice cream. Is that a flavoured ice cream? Well, you have your base recipe, then you can like add any mix-ins, or I would um, melt chocolate in the ramekin and then put the ice cream in. So when it freezes, you've got chocolate on top. Wonderful. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you. If you could invite three people from any time, any era, any moment in history, whether they're dead or alive, who would be a couple of other dinner guests that you'd like to have over for some of your homemade ice cream? That's a good question. Um, Emma Watson. Aha, uh -huh, yes. Um, Harry Styles. Lovely. Well, I would say One Direction in total, but like they can count as one because they're a band. So. All right, bring them in. We'll have them on the side entertaining us. Yeah. Um, and then maybe hmm, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Nice work, nice work. It's uh, heavily stacked to, uh, to some good-looking people there, which is... Uh, <laughs> Which is great. That's great. Um, Zoe, thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing. Oh. Tell me, um, what's something that you're really looking forward to in terms of it might be in, in your professional career, it might be uh, with Flicker of Hope, it might be, I don't know, there might be a reunion coming up or there's people that you're looking forward to catching up. What's something you're looking forward to in the next little while? Oh, there's so many things. Like everything's kind of just almost lining up in a way that I really like it. So I'm pretty excited about everything. <laughs> yeah, great, great. Yeah. Is there a specific thing that maybe an event, I know you've got kick butt yes. coming up, that's probably taking some yes. of your focus and attention at the moment. Okay, so it'll definitely be that, but also a close second will be, I am currently rehearsing for a production of Beauty and the Beast. Oh, wonderful. Which will be performed in July. Fantastic. That's not a school-based performance. <laughs> no, community theatre. So I've continued drama outside of my schooling years outstanding i love that 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 you know the, the, this podcast is called inspired by yara yeah. and it seems to me that some of your experiences some of the albeit the challenges but the way that you've been able to overcome those challenges is facing those fears and getting on stage has inspired you to keep practicing to keep doing and keep performing yes. keep rehearsing and keep 
um, doing your best out on stage. I love that. I think that's uh, that's beautiful. Zoe, thank you for sharing. Thanks for a little trip down memory lane because I recall some of those experiences as um, as one of your teachers over the journey and as a chaplain. Um, and, and it's a great privilege of mine to now call you a colleague mm -hmm. and to have uh, shared camp not all that long ago. And, and albeit, I think you might have enjoyed the giant swing a little bit more than I did. <laughs> But it's good to share, continue to share experiences. Thank yes. you for your time. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and that wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And I hope that you found this conversation with Zoe intriguing and interesting. And I just felt there was a, a beautiful sincerity, a, an authenticity in what she was sharing, a, a certain vulnerability that she's obviously come to grips with her own adventure and her own journey through her time at school. And, and now, as I said at the beginning, I love the fact that she's now back as a staff member here at Yarra Valley Grammar and giving back to perhaps with a focus on those students who who, who, who do battle, who do need a bit more patience, who do need a bit more encouragement. And she's able to give back that which was offered to her. Thank you for tuning in. And I get the opportunity each episode to sit down with a yog and it's interesting and intriguing and I love my part in this role. There are a small team who put these episodes together to share them with you and and together we would be so encouraged if you felt you could give our podcast a rating and a review maybe share it with somebody who you think would also find it interesting let them know perhaps how to download the next episode or at least um, subscribe so that you don't miss another episode also, if you know of a yog who you think would be interested in this podcast, if you think they would be an interesting guest on this podcast, then we would welcome suggestions and recommendations for that too. I hope you'll join us again next episode when again I get to sit down with another yog, another Yarra Olgramarian, and see how they too have been inspired by Yarra. My name's Paul Joy, and on behalf of everyone here at Yarra, I want to wish you a day of inspiration where you go out there with a new, revived, refreshed level of intentionality to make a positive impact in the world around you. Mm -hmm.